Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 21 through 24 will be our text for today. Glad to see friends and family joining us to support them. And if you're new here, uh, we, we love families. Hopefully you, hopefully you feel loved as well. Be a part of our family. Today we're going to talk about faithful servants. Everybody say faithful servants. Amen. Now say it like you mean it. Faithful servants. Thank you. If you are new in the church, we have been going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse since 2017. And now we are at the last four verses. Isn't that exciting? We have finished the entire book of Ephesians. As I read the last four verses today, you will have completed the book of Ephesians. Now, would I end it today? Of course not. There's multiple messages in those last four verses, so hang on tight. There's a few more to go, but what a tremendous accomplishment. And if you've missed any of them, check it out online. Website's always there by the sound booth, and then we have the app available for you. The sermon series was titled, In Him, because the purpose of the book of Ephesians, we believe, was Paul writing to the people who lived in a city called Ephesus. That's where most of the names of your New Testament come from, are the names of cities. Philippians, Philippi, Colossians, Colossia, Thessalonians, Thessalonica, etc. And the core message of Paul to the people of Ephesus was being in God through Christ. And that's why we say in him. Can somebody say in him? Thank you. And if you look at the triangle, you could see it as the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Well, how do we come in to a, d- a divine relationship with the Trinity? Through Jesus Christ. So it's very important to have that concept in the book of Ephesians. And no more is it important than here at the end, Paul's closing words. And here's just a helpful chart if you want to see it on your notes. The first book, part of the book was heavenly minded. The second part, earthly good. Sometimes people say, uh, don't be so heavenly minded so you're of no earthly good. That's the exact opposite of what the Bible teach. You're to be so heavenly minded you can change the earth for good. So the first portion of the book is all about the heavenly minded beliefs that we're supposed to have that go beyond the, the limitations of this world. We're supposed to have hope beyond the scope of humanity and see God and all the plans he has for us. And then the earthly good are some of our more controversial messages messages, but I think you would love them if you missed them. We talked about Christian living, which is our morality, the moral code, the instructions for family and job. We talked about how we should have families and husbands and wives and children. We talked about spiritual warfare. Everybody go, yeah, we talked about beating up on the devil. And today, final greetings. Everybody go, adios. Yeah, Paul said it somewhat like that. Uh, This is like his way of saying, hasta luego. I'll see you later, man. That's just my imitation. Can you guys give me a little break here? Come on. Not even a pity laugh from my Latino gente. Not even a pity laugh. So disappointed in me. I try. I try. No, I shouldn't even have did that. Sorry. Anyways, (laughs) Ephesians chapter 6. I'm red up here. I'm so red. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 21. Tychicus. Everybody say Tychicus. This is a great name to remember as we hear today's message on faithful servants because Tychicus is the one that's called a faithful servant. Verse 21, Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am doing and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Somebody say encourage you. 
Thank you. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. These are the final words. What we know about Tychicus is that he's the one that brought the letter to the people of Ephesus. If you were wondering how did they get these letters that the apostles were writing to them, see, apostles write epistles. Apostles write epistles. Everybody say that. Apostles write epistles. So how did the apostle get the epistle of Ephesians to the people? They had to do it through snail mail. Literally, somebody had to bring it. Well, who's the one bringing the letter? This guy named Tychicus. And he's just not any old kind of person. The Bible says that he's a brother, a dear brother. That means he's a servant of Christ. He's born again. The Bible then says he's faithful. He's faithful and that he will tell you everything and so that he is close to Paul the apostle and he's going to encourage you. I don't know about you, but if I had lost my apostle because he was arrested, I would be happy to hear from one of his faithful brothers, one of his servants. Paul's in jail at this time. If you don't know, those who are joining with us, we've learned that this is actually written from jail because Paul was persecuted for serving Jesus. Imagine the heart you would have for your apostle. He's done nothing wrong. He hasn't hurt anybody. He's not stolen. He's not, you know, been deserving of this treatment. But simply for preaching, now he's arrested. Don't you think you would be happy to see Tychicus coming down the road? And, of course, they had no way to let you know they were coming. So Tychicus probably just showed up one day to the church. And most of the churches at that time were meeting in homes. So could you imagine how exciting it would be to get that knock? You open the door. There is Tychicus. And he says, guess what? I got a letter from Paul for you. How we end the book of Ephesians is how the book of Ephesians actually started. See, get it. At the end, it says, Tychicus, he's going to tell you everything. But it's really in the timeline, Tychicus is showing up first saying, I got a letter from Paul. Read it. And then they read through it because it only takes about 20, 30 minutes to read. They read through it, and they're like, oh, that's why you came, Tychicus. We're so good that, so happy that you're here. I want to ask you a question as we get into this message on being faithful servants. Are people happy to see you? Do people see you coming into their life? as a reminder of the teachings of the apostles. Now, I'm not in jail, and I'm nowhere near what Apostle Paul was like, but we learn here the teachings of the apostle. That's my job. And then you are to take that message and to give it to others faithfully, and you are to encourage them, and you are to tell them how the church is doing and what the church is doing. That's what Tychicus did. So let me ask you a question. Tomorrow on your job, will your coworkers be happy to see you? Will they hear the good things that God is doing in your life and in the church? Or are you just going to hold the conversations that everybody else is having with them? Talking about the Cubs, talking about the weather. My dad always says it like this. When I play golf, the men that I golf with can talk about the weather literally the entire time. Well, it's a little hot this day. It's a little humid this day. Well, you know, next week it's supposed to be even more. They will go on and on and on. My dad will literally say, well, what do you think about Jesus? Quiet as a mouse. Don't want to talk anymore. Nothing more to say. They go mute. They have, you know, it's like, it's like they don't even want to acknowledge that's a conversation option. And yet we'll ramble on all the time about all these things in our life. Tychicus knew how to talk about God and what God was doing. How many want to be faithful servants like Tychicus? 
That's what I want to do. When you look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is actually the stories of the Acts of the Apostles. If you didn't know where that name came from, that's a pretty cool way to learn it, right? Acts? Acts of who? Acts of the Apostles. Well, here we learn in Acts chapter 20 that after Paul was in Ephesus, he traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. So they're about ready to kill him, so now he's changing his plans. Now look at verse 4. He, talking about Paul, was accompanied by Sopater, the son of Purus from Berea, Aristarchus, and Secundus from Thessalonica, and Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus, and Tromephus from the province of Asia. If I wanted to embarrass some of the men here today, all I would have to do is say, I'll give you $100 if you can name five players of your favorite sports team. They would do it. You would say, what's embarrassing? They won $100. Because then if I said, I'll give you $1,000 if you can name five disciples, you would see how little they know about what really counts. They could tell you what a guy wearing tights' name is as he takes a wooden bat and hits a ball over a fence, but probably couldn't name five disciples. How about if I said, I'll give you $10,000 if you can name five of Timothy's disciples or of Paul's disciples, rather, not Timothy, but Paul's disciples. Would you be able to name these men? These men were Paul's disciples. Timothy was one of them. And, of course, Timothy had disciples, but I don't even know for $100,000 if I can name Timothy's disciples. We kind of lose track of him in church history. But these men and their wives, because many of them had wives, were the disciples of Paul. Now, as you think about that, let me ask you a question. Would I name your name in talking to others about this church? Would I say, yes, those who are with us in the church, those who are willing to travel, those who are willing to open up their homes and do Bible studies are Griselda, Berto, son. What's your father's name, Berto? Son of Jesus. Would I be able to name you off like that? Just like these men were named. So Potter, son of Purus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus, Ricky and Will, from uh, Secundus, from Thessalonica, Gaius, from Derby, Sedia, over here from the north side, Timothy also. I mean, would, you, would your names be named in a list like this? I would hope that all of us would set this as our goal. Somebody say faithful servants. I want to be a faithful servant. I don't have the whole time to read it, but I wanted to add it here for your notes. A little biography of Tychicus. Because if the Bible took the time to mention him, we should take the time to study him. Once again, if I wanted to embarrass some of the ladies, I could say, tell me Kylie Jenner, for $100, name three of the products that Kylie Jenner makes. Oh, that would be so easy. The girls would go, oh, she makes lip liner. She makes lipstick. I see you all talking right now. She makes island. Kylie Jenner, what does she do? Tell me about the life. If I even said, tell me about Kim Kardashian. Who is she married to? What's the name of her child? Tell me about Beyonce. Come on, ladies, don't be shy now. But if I said, ladies, for $1,000, tell me about Tychicus. Tell me one fact about Tychicus. Most of you would think I was just making up a name. Come on, ladies. You see, we got to care more about Tychicus than we do about Kylie Jenner. We've got to keep up with Tychicus more than we want to keep up with the Kardashians. Because these people are really our family. 
I always say this because I want people to hear my heart. I am not ashamed of my Polish culture or of my Italian culture or now being in America for these past generations. I think I'm the third generation. I love being an American. To me, it's the best country in the world, right? But I want to tell you something. As I was driving even down the highway today to church, I saw in my country an advertisement for a strip club. See, am I really one with the American people? No, because that's disgusting to me. My fellow countrymen think that's acceptable. And I could be here all day of what other fellow Americans think or what Italianos, Italianos, what they think, or the Polish, you know, you know, what they think. Let me tell you this, and let me be very clear to you. To hell with every cultural behavior that does not line up with the Word of God. This man is my brother more than the Italian pumping fish shore at the lake today, going in their yachts there to the playground. My friend just got a new boat, and he was showing me where they all go now. You know I'm talking about the lake, the playground, what they call it. They drive their boats there. This man is my brother, not an Italiano. Tychicus is more important to me, more relevant to me than my Polish grandmother who made pierogies. Pierogies, Joey, Joey, eat more pierogies, eat the pierogies. This means more to me. You know why? Because my grandmother didn't walk with Jesus. She was Catholic, and I don't know if she's in heaven or hell because she had a lot of nice things to say about Jesus. Joey, I know Jesus, Joey. She sounded a little Italian sometimes, I guess. I can't remember her accent, but it was Polish, and it was Joey. But Tychicus is my brother. I will be spending eternity with Tychicus. So will you. You'll meet him up there. And I believe the moment you meet him, you'll see just how important his life was and yet how little he meant to people like us. And you know that I could be here all day just to let you know. I'm not trying to just say it's just for him. But Paul oftentimes would end his letters with the people that were special. And in this letter to the Romans, if we ever get to this book, it's 16 chapters. Think about it like this. Six chapters of Ephesians took us a year and a half. How long do you think 16 chapters of Romans would take? We might be here for a decade. But look at what he says. I love this because I, I see mighty women of God here. In Paul's letter to the Romans, the first one he commends to, to the church is our sister Phoebe, a deacon in the church of Centuria. Not Beyonce who shakes that thing. Not Miley Cyrus. Not Hillary Clinton. Who was important to Paul the apostle? This woman named Phoebe. And you will be happy to be ruled in the kingdom by Phoebe when she comes back with Christ on a throne. The Bible says we will rule with Christ on thrones. Don't forget that. There's a thousand-year reign after Armageddon. It's just not that Jesus blows up a bunch of stuff and then says, everybody do your own thing. No, after he does that, there's rulership set up. I can't wait to be governed by Phoebe, that powerful deacon. Can I give an amen from somebody here? When we look at the Bible, we see that Tychicus is somebody that might have been one of the original disciples of Jesus. He's actually given that honor in church history, though we're not entirely sure. We see that he's mentioned in Colossia and Ephesus as well, so he must have been one of Paul's faithful ones right up there with Timothy, and he also had a great relationship with Titus, who was in Crete. The bottom line is this. When you look at the commentary, this last sentence right, sentence right here, Paul describes Tychicus as a loyal Christian servant and a brother dearly loved, not only by Paul, but by all who knew him. Can I tell you the greatest words that could ever be said about you is that you're a loyal Christian servant. When we look at the teachings of Jesus, 
There is no greater title than what Tychicus is given right here. Tychicus is given the highest title. King is lower than the title that he was given. Are you guys tracking with me? President is lower than this title. This title, faithful servant of God or loyal Christian servant, depending on whether or not you want to say faithful or loyal, they both mean the same thing. The idea is this is what we all need to aim for. Somebody say, help us, Lord. Amen. When we look at faithful, this is the Greek word pistos, and the Greek word for faith is pistis. It's a, it's a derivative of faith. We get it. It happens in the English language. Faith, faithful. So what does it mean? Trustworthy, reliable. Look at what Proverbs 20, verse 6 says, and if you ever want to knit me, if anybody likes to knit, and you want to crochet me something, or knit a pillow, or, or give me a magnet to put on my, my refrigerator, or a, a, a thing to put on my desk, what would you call that? Like engraved. A plaque, thank you, whoever said you're awesome. Make this one. This is a great scripture for a pastor, and I bet you we all can relate to it. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. And all the ladies said, come on, because many a man claim to have unfailing love for you. Come on. But a good man is hard to find. Come on, men. Can I hear an amen from the men? Many women said they would love you. Then they went to the gym and saw that dude working out and left you behind. Hello. How many of you have had friends say, I'll never leave you, I'll never leave you. Now they're gossiping about you on Facebook. How many of you have had ride or die family members, people that said they're your cousins, they're your primas, you know, they're going to be there forever and now you can't even find them. The idea is that Christians shouldn't be the ones who do the talking but not the walking. Christians should answer the question, a faithful man, who can find? We all in the church should be able to stand up and say, here I am, find me. Because everybody can claim that they have unfailing love. And sadly, where do I see this the most? In church is at the wedding ceremony. So often they say to each other, they love each other. They will live and die for each other. And a few years later, they leave each other. I always say, if our culture can't even stay married, how, I expect, how do I expect them to stay committed to a church? They're not even committed to their own spouse who they sleep in the bed with, and I ain't going to bed with them. Are you listening? I ain't giving them no nookie nookie. And if they're not loving on the person they're living in the same house with, how are they going to love the church any different? But is it any coincidence that when Jesus compares his relation to the church, it's a husband and a wife. The church is what? The bride of Christ. I wonder how many people are hollering at the bride saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, but aren't nowhere to be found on Sundays. Nowhere to be found when Bible studies are taking place. Nowhere to be found when the work of ministry is to be done. Now, when you think about this, if this is important in the Old Testament, you know it's going to be important in the New Testament. So what Jesus does is he takes the time to not only tell us one parable, but he tells us dozens of parables about the kingdom of God. And guess who the winner is in every Every single parable is the faithful servant. It's the faithful servant. The faithful servant is the one you always want to keep your eyes on in the parables of Jesus because that's the one he wants you to be like. This is one of the most famous ones. Matthew chapter 5, 25, 14 and onward. I want to read it all. Somebody say, read it all, pastor. Thank you. I'm going to read it all. Jesus talking here. Again, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants. Somebody say, doulos. Doulos in the Greek is servants, and entrusted them with his wealth. How many of y'all would like to get some wealth? Amen. How many of y'all would like to have some wealth? Can I hear an amen? 
So he entrusts his servants with his wealth. To one he gave five bags of gold. Holler if you want five bags of gold. To another two bags. How many of y'all still take two bags? Eh, I'm not complaining. And to another one bag. No, how many ain't complaining even about one bag? I'll take the one bag of gold. I'll take one bag of gold. Now look at what it says. How did he know to divide up the gold from five to two to one? The Bible says he did it each according to his ability. Wow. That right there blows up socialism. Everybody's not getting paid the same. You're getting paid what your work is worth. This is Jesus' parable. And Jesus is giving out gold as the master here, so Jesus must be rich too. So there's a lot of things we're learning about the kingdom just right there in two verses. God's rich, he's got servants, and he gives them his blessings according to their ability. Now, does gold always have to represent money? No, but gold can also represent your time, your talents, the abilities that you attribute to the world. You could call that like your contributions. So God gives us all something to do. And even the one with one bag is valuable. The one bag of gold is valuable. Does anybody here, maybe I shouldn't ask you to raise your hand, but does anybody here have a bag of gold? And would you tell us the value of that? You know, I bet you that's a lot of money. You know what they guess is being hand out here? millions of dollars, one bag worth one million. So somebody got five million, somebody got two million, somebody got one million. Now let's keep going. Then he went on his journey. Sounds like Jesus going back to heaven, right? The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, gained five more. Somebody say double up. Thank you. Verse 17, so also the one who received two bags of gold gained two more. Somebody say double up. Come on, double for your trouble. Verse 18, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. We're going to see what happens to the servant. Verse 19, after a long time, somebody say a long time. Just insert the reality here. 2,000 years since Jesus was on the planet. It's a long time, right? But the master's still coming back to check on people. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Somebody say judgment. Come on, say judgment. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to judge you. <laughs> You're going to get judged. I'm going to get judged. Only God can judge me. Yeah, and that's scary, so think about it. Verse 20, the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. But thou, master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied. Now watch, what does the master reply? Just insert Jesus here. We know where this is going. Well done, good and faithful servant. Can you all say it like you mean it? Well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you. Highest compliment you can ever be paid. Highest compliment you can ever be paid. You have been faithful with a few things. What? Jesus, five million is a few things? God's like, oh, yeah, wait till I show you streets of gold. Y'all been handling bags of gold. I got it made. I got to make my streets out of gold. Oh, yeah. The kingdom of God's going to be awesome. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of many things. Notice that the servant now gets put in charge of many things. Though he was even a servant to his master, he was still in charge of millions, and now he's going to be in charge of more things. So servants to God are leaders in the world. 
Somebody better put that on Facebook. Servants of God are in charge of things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22, the man who had two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. Thank you. Highest compliment you can be paid in the kingdom. You have been faithful with a few things, but I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. How many know God doesn't want anybody going to hell? How many know there's enough room at the party for everybody? Amen. And so God wants all of his servants to be faithful. Let's go to verse 24. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. Here, look what belongs to you. He's thinking he's doing a good thing. I'm just giving you back the one bag of gold you gave me. What do you think Jesus is going to say through this illustration of the master? Look at verse 26. You awesome guy. I love you so much. We're going to try this again. Is that what it says? Let's read this phrase together. Don't get mad at me. This is your Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, this is your Jesus. This is him talking. One, two, three. You wicked, lazy servant. So you don't get a reset at the end of your life if you didn't do something with the talents you got. God is not going to say you get reincarnated now. You get another shot at this. When judgment comes, when the master returns, when you and I are before him, it is now time to put up or shut up because all those words were nothing but hot air to the master. What you're saying means nothing now. You wicked, lazy servant. If you want to understand the correlation just right here to how the master worked really hard to get what he had and the person did nothing with it, the correlation is Jesus died on the cross for sinners and you and I are not preaching the gospel. That means we don't appreciate the gospel. You knew that I harvest where I had not sown and gather where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers. You should at least have gone to church and went to a Bible study and invited your friends. You should have done something to help multiply what I did in your life so that when I returned, I would have at least reserved it back with interest. How many know interest on a million dollars ain't too bad? Amen. I'll take 1% off a, off a million dollars, 2%, whatever CDs and those things are getting. I won't turn it down. But obviously, I would rather double up. But he was saying, I'm not even here to say you have to be as awesome as these guys. Just if you do something. And that's the idea we're going to get to right at the end. Look at verse 28 because it gets scary. Somebody say scary. Yeah, this might scare the hell right out of you right here. So take the bag of gold from him. And give it to the one who has ten bags. But that's not fair, Jesus. He already has ten bags. Look at verse 29. Because whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. I'm going to be having some of Chicago's gold when I get to heaven. Oh, y'all get quiet when I preach like that. Y'all going to be having some of your neighbor's gold when you get to heaven. Yank. Because if you didn't use it, God's going to give it to us. We get it back on Judgment Day. We get the land. Bill Gates is going to have to hand over the keys to Juan and say, Juan, now this is yours. Will we do it by force like ISIS is doing in the Middle East? No. We believe when Jesus settles accounts, everyone's going to see the master. It's going to be his work that will be done. But it will be clear who gets what. I'm not trying to motivate you out of greed, but I do want to scare the hell out of you right now and motivate you to know hell's not supposed to be for you, but heaven is. 
you will have your soul taken from your control, put into the lake of fire. Watch. I'm not making it up. Let's just keep going. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. That almost sounds confusing. If I don't have anything, how are you going to take something from me? Because what you do have is an eternity on your, on, in your hands. You have an eternity to decide what you do with it. God gave you talents with your eternity, but if you don't use your talents, he'll take away your talents, but you still got your eternal soul. Do you get that? So he's going to take away your talents, but put your soul in hell forever. If you don't believe, look at verse 30. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be a party. No, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Does that help motivate you? <laughs> How many would like to have that talk before you start your job tomorrow on Monday morning? Now listen, guys, we're going to double up sales this week. We're going to do awesome. If you don't, we're taking what you have and torturing you out back. Now is God sadistic in saying that? No, what he is is our creator. And he says, when your time's up, Jack or Jill, and I'm judging you, this is what's going to happen. Either you multiply, you double up, you build my kingdom, or you're going to hell with the devil. Now, some people may stop right here and ask a very important question, and that is, does this mean we are saved by good works? Somebody say no. Thank you. We are not saved by good works. We're saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, but we are saved to, good, to do good works. Can I hear an amen for that? How many are happy the air conditioning is fixed? Amen? I still sweat, but I'm happy it's fixed. You all feel it's cooler in here? Okay. You are saved by grace through faith, the Bible says, but you're saved to do good works. Can I show you that in the book of Ephesians? Come on, can I show you that in the book of Ephesians? Amen. We were already taught this passage when we were studying through it, so let's go through it again. For it is by grace you have been saved. Have you been saved by doing your good works? No. You've been saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Look at verse 9. Not by good works. So you're not saved by doubling up your bags of gold so that no one can boast. Look at verse 10, though. For we are God's workmanship, or handiwork, or masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So where's the correlation? James said it this way. Faith without works is dead. So if I claim to be a Christian, but I don't have the works of a Christian, then I'm really not a Christian. Does everybody see that? I'm not saved by my good works. I'm saved to do good works. So going back to the illustration, we see clearly that this man really didn't have a relationship with his master. If he really would have known his master, he would have worked hard for his master. He would have did what the other two did. It doesn't take a lot of uh, rocket science or deep thoughts to understand this. You're given money, multiply it. And here's the same thing that I say to everybody in this church. Guys, you didn't create yourself. Your creator made you for a purpose. Find out what that purpose is and be faithful to it. Look at what Paul said at the beginning of the book of Ephesians, because how the book ends is how the book begins. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the what in Christ Jesus? The faithful. One more time, the what in Christ Jesus? The faithful in Christ Jesus. What do you want to be in Christ Jesus? A faithful servant. Can I just tell you a little bit about being a servant? It's also similar to being a slave of Christ, and then we'll do it. Are you all ready to do this? Amen. 
The word servant there is dekanos. It means to be an attendant, a waiter, a minister. We also see the same word slave being used. It's doulas. So the word dekanos means servant. The word slave is doulas. They're interchangeable. When you look at a passage like this in um, Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 and onward, it says, we, if we want to be great in the kingdom, have to be the servants of all. And then look at verse 28. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, dekano, but to serve dekano and to give his life for many, that's how we are to be. But if you back up to verse 27, it says, whoever wants to be the first must be your slave, doulos. So it goes together. And do you know that in the English translation, whenever it sees the word dekanos or doulos and translates it servant, that's the second most used title for Christians in the entire Bible, even more than the word Christian. Disciple has over 300 uses in the Bible and servant has over 100. What do you think God is wanting his disciples to be? Servants. Is that what marks your life? Look at this right here. Jesus said it like this, Mark 9, 35. He sat down, called the 12, and this is what Jesus said. Here's his team talk. If any would be first, he must be the last of all and the servant of all. Does that take away our ambition to be great? No, because what did the parable of the bags of gold tell us? We are to work hard and to be great. But what's the attitude we're supposed to have while we're being great? We're servants. How do I say it? Servant leaders. What should our president be? A servant president, a serving president. What should all of the governmental officials be? Serving leaders. And what should the police do? Serve and protect, right? So how should we be in our lives as Christians? Demanding, overbearing? No, we should be known as servants. As a matter of fact, when you look to the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, do you know that the first title they gave to the next group of people was the word servant or deacon? So meaning Jesus had his disciples, 12. Judas committed suicide. Now there's 11. They replace him with Matthias. We're back to 12. But then they gather up the rest of Jesus' crowd. Jesus had about probably 500 close followers, and out of them, 120 are in the upper room, men and women. Are you guys tracking with me? That's the day of Pentecost. Well, as the church begins to grow, guess what? they do. They now need to appoint more workers with them. So do they establish vice president, vice president of marketing, vice president of human, human affairs or human resources. No, what do they call these people? Look at it, verse 2. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together. Somebody say all the disciples. Thank you. Gathered together all the disciples and said, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God and to wait on tables. Look at that word wait. It's the same word serve. It says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom, and we'll turn this responsibility over to them, and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. If you wanted to be a servant in the New Testament church, work with the apostles and just clean tables, you had to be full of the spirit and wisdom. I want to apologize to you as a pastor if churches have lowered the bar so much that they let you do whatever you want in the church and you haven't been full of the spirit and wisdom. As a matter of fact, I don't say that because I'm trying to say prove yourself. I'm saying I believe in you more than I believe in your gifts. I care more about you than I do the gifts. So I would rather you, if you're a great worship leader or a great teacher, I would rather you take your time and be full of the spirit and wisdom before you ever clean one table, one toilet, one floor, than to 
say, I'm just going to jump into the ministry and fall by bad character. Because your gifts may bring you to places that your character can't keep you. In the church, they wanted to make sure that they weren't going for people who loved the limelight or those who wanted the attention. They were wanting those who were full of the spirit and wisdom and who could be responsible. Now let me ask you a question. If what I teach you in the church is true, should it apply to your job? So what should you be on your job? Responsible. I'm going to give you a bunch of uh, uh, questions, and you guys answer with the word responsible. Will you be responsible to do that? Amen. Okay, what do you think they want you to be on your job with the tasks they give you? What do you think your husband and wife, if you're married in the, in the marriage, what do you think the spouse wants you to be? What do you think you have to be if you want to be a good parent in this world? Okay, children, if you're going to live at home with your parents, what do you think you need to do? Be responsible. See, responsibility means you are responsible, able to respond. God gave you that ability. Can I hear an amen? Can I tell you how to be a faithful servant in the church so that when you do it here, you can do it out there in the world? How many want to learn how to do that today? Amen. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, so you can see my principle. If I teach it to you in the church, will it apply to your job and to your family? Yes. As I was saying to our, our, our dear friend here today, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So if I teach you to seek God in his kingdom, that means when you go to work tomorrow, you'll be equipped to do that there, to seek what? The success of your job. If I teach you to, to, to seek first the success of God's kingdom, you'll go home today and seek the success of your marriage with God's plan, won't you? Come on, somebody. He says, seek first God's righteousness. Seek first God and his righteousness. The right way of doing things will benefit you in all places of life. So number one, be born again and join the 101 discipleship. The best way we as a church can teach you those deep things of God so that you can be full of the Spirit and of wisdom is in our one-on-one -on -one discipleship class. I always say this to people here, not to be sassy, but if you don't want to do this, this church is not for you because we're not offering you five different ways to do it. If you want to do it through another way, go to the church that does it that way. This is how we're going to do it. But whatever you do, don't just sit there because that's why they call it a pew because if you just sit here, you begin to stink and... We don't just want you to stay here. We want you to go out into the world and make a difference. I can guarantee you each one of our elders or deacons who disciple you will do so from a place of care and love and a way that works. Our discipleship works. People ask me all the time, how's the church? I always tell them, our business is disciples and business making is good. Disciple making is good. Our business is making disciples and business is good. How many good disciples do I have here today? I wouldn't believe it by that response. I'm going to ask you again. How many disciples do I have here today? Woo! Let's do it, right? Number two, be then a disciple that learns and obeys Jesus' commands in the 201 discipleship class. So the 101 is done one-on-one -on -one with the person of the same gender. If you like to stay in your age group, you can do that. But sometimes I like it when it switches up. I like seeing an older person discipling a younger person. I like seeing younger people disciple older people. But that's done one-on-one. -on -one. That's on your coffee break. That's on your lunch hours. As uh, Pastor Lauren was saying, you can talk to her if you don't have one yet. But then when you graduate from that, you go into the 201, which is done as a class. We have it done just as the same way we do Bible college. As a matter of fact, it could be called Bible Bible College. We have a teacher in our Bible College teaching that class. Let's give it up for Pastor Jared Walker. Amen. He's a great blessing. 
And the learning is on college level, but we make it accessible to a sixth grade learning level. It is on college level information, but we make it accessible that if you have at least the reading comprehension of a sixth grader, you can go through the class and do successful work. We even have people there that are learning English now as their second language, going through it, and one of them has already graduated and became a deacon. So not only did he do the 201, but he learned English as well. So if he can do it, there's no excuse to why you can't do it. Let's give it up for my man, um, Nahum. Where is Nahum? Amen. He's... Did he disappear? Okay, he's out there. He's serving. That's so let's give a bigger hand clap for you serving. Amen. Because like when he didn't show up, the hand clap kind of turned into a golf clap. But we should clap louder because he's serving. Amen. There he is. Let's give it up for Nahum. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Nahum. Number three, you graduate that 201 class. Then you become ordained as a deacon. And what is that? What does that title mean? Deacon, servant. Sometimes people tell me, Pastor, I'm not called to do that. I got to literally stop and go, you're not called to serve? You're not called to help out? I'm not asking you to preach on Sundays. I'm not asking you to counsel people through divorce and give them therapy. I'm asking you to serve Jesus. Who could possibly say back to Jesus, I'm not called to be your servant? Not a Christian not a disciple, could you imagine saying to Jesus, Jesus, I love you, I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to serve you. How well do you think that would go for you? You would probably be cast out, and you'd probably be told a parable about being cast out into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we want to have more servant leaders in the church that can serve on Sunday, serve in life groups. How many love their life groups? Come on, those are servant leaders. And then guess what you get to do in this church? Make new disciples in that same process of the 101, and then you can change the world wherever you go. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Connect, mentor, send. Somebody say connect, mentor, send. So you connect to the cross, you learn about the cross, and then you carry the cross everywhere you go. You reach up and you touch heaven, and then inside heaven touches you. And then you reach out with heaven to the world around you. Reach up, reach in, reach out. The idea is for you to be taught. And then as you're taught, you reach out to teach another one. So we reach one to teach one to reach another one. Somebody say another one. Come on, somebody say another one. You got to go out there and multiply. Because if you're truly saved, as the Bible says a saved person is, you'll have a heart to reach out. Because what does Jesus say to the one who hides the bag of gold, you wicked and lazy servant? Does anybody want to hear that on Judgment Day? No, I don't want to hear that. What puts the fear of God in me is that there are my friends who have left the ministry to no longer be servants, but to be hot shots to be in charge of things, and they do it in such a way where they lose their servant's heart. So, for example, when I see the musicians like Katy Perry, who I've told the story here today, who were once worship leaders, leave the worship ministry of serving God and bringing people to God's presence so that they can be on a stage for everybody to see. You know what she's just done? She's lost the greatest title she could ever be given, and that's a servant. So we need to pray that she comes back. And for anybody that you see in life that trades what God says is a win for what they have, you got to know the loss is coming. And the Bible says, what does it profit a person to gain the whole entire world yet lose your soul? But what does he say? Those who lose their world, give up their life, will inherit eternal life. 
So what you hold on to now, what you think is yours now, I'm going to be the master of my own life. I'm going to be my own boss. I don't have to serve anybody. I'll give the charity every now and then. No, what you hold on to the most will slip through your hands like sand. One day you'll breathe your last breath and you'll stand before your creator because you didn't make yourself. And he'll say, you wicked and lazy servant, depart from me. I never knew you. But what is the response we want to hear from Jesus? We want to hear him say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. What is it going to be like when we meet Jesus face to face? And he says, I, I entrusted you with a life, with all of these minutes. And I don't know if you've ever seen one of those videos where they show you the amount of minutes you live and compare it to money. You know, it's like you've been given $10 million, 10 minutes to live with. God is going to say, what did you do with the minutes, the life that I gave you? And I would like all of us to be able to say back, here, Jesus, look what I did by your strength, by your grace. I took my life. And I doubled it up. Here's Juan Riasco. Lord, I took my life and doubled it up. Here's Calvin. Here's my brother. Here's my sister. Here's someone else that I cared about, that I prayed for, that I served. And God then will say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. Can we pray on that? Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We ask that this word will settle into our hearts and become our reality. Altar workers and band, would you come, please? Lord, we ask you now to make us your servants so that we would be humble and serve you in all that we do. May Tychicus be an example to us today, more than Jordan, more than LeBron, more than Kylie Jenner, Donald Trump, Baez, or anyone else that we look up to today. May we see your disciples as our heroes, and may we be that in this world. Because Tychicus, Phoebe, they were people just like us. Every head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today, would you search your heart and be honest with yourself? Let God speak to you through your thoughts right now. Are you a servant, a faithful servant of God? Just ask yourself and he'll tell you. He'll respond to you in your heart if you ask him, are you faithful? Have I been faithful to you, Jesus? Some of you just say out his name and say, Jesus, show me areas if I haven't been faithful in. I believe he'll show you right now. As you begin to talk to the Lord, if there's things to repent of, would you do it right now? Repent. Say, Lord, forgive me for not being a faithful servant. If you've come here today and you're not a born-again Christian, that means you haven't had a real relationship with God. Right now, just confess your sins and say, Jesus, I want to be your child. And as a child in your family, I want to be faithful. And those of you who say you're Christians here, would you examine your life? Do your works show that you're faithful? I don't want anyone leaving out of here, including me, not knowing that they're a faithful servant of God. Because if I've made mistakes, I want to deal with it right now. If I haven't been faithful in my marriage, Lord, show me now. I want to be faithful with everything you've given me. Everything, my job. Come on, somebody pray for their job right now. Are you being a faithful witness of Christ on your job? You know the best way that you'll show your boss or employees the things of God is by being great at what you do. The best doctors will have the best testimonies of Jesus. The best uh, service uh, pickup phone agents, you know, they'll have a wonderful testimony. The best nurses will have the best testimonies. Whatever you're at on your job, ask God to make you a faithful servant faithful servant. How about marriages today? Have you all been serving each other? 
Or is everybody just fighting for their own right to be right? It's my right to be right. I'm the man. It's my right to be right. I'm the wife. You're all fighting for your rights. When you fight for your rights, you're often wrong. I pray for marriages right now to humble themselves. Couples, humble themselves to each other. Serve each other. Love each other. A few more moments. Children, are you serving your parents? I have a lot of young people here that their parents don't come to church. Let me tell you what. Just preaching to your parents ain't going to do it. Just telling them about heaven and hell ain't going to do it. You know the best witness you'll give to your parents about Jesus? Clean your room. Do your homework. Pick the right friends. I guarantee your parents will listen to your witness. A few more moments. Who wants to be a faithful servant in this house? Who wants to be a faithful servant? I want to do this in the five minutes that we have remaining. Those of you who are here who want to be faithful servants, I'm going to ask just the piano to play, please, that you will stand up one at a time so we can hear you. And it's okay if every now and then somebody does it because we can't all see each other. But I want us one at a time so that this congregation knows we're a church of servants for you to stand up and just shout out, Jesus, here I am. I'll be your faithful servant. You can say it in your own words. Boom. Let's go. Come on.
In a few moments, we're going to close out, but this is your time. Don't do it for us. Do it for God. I'm making the moment last. Just a few more moments for you. We're not pressuring you. We're just giving you that chance. It's up to you. There'll still be time to pray and come up on your own. Our altar workers are here. You can do it by yourself. But I'm saying you'll feel so good if you shout it out right now. A few more moments. Lord, whoever else needs that courage, give them that courage today, God. 30 more seconds, saints. If you can't do it here, it's going to be even harder out there. Take that stand for Jesus. As we pray to dismiss, if you still want to do it afterwards, you can. But let me just close us out. Lord, thank you for bringing us here today. I pray that every one of us will be your faithful servant. There's nobody else serving God. There's nobody else bowing our knee to and, and, and giving our lives to in servitude. You died for us. You became our servant by dying on that cross. You loved us first. You washed our feet first. Now it's a joy to give us, uh, to give you our lives. We give you our lives joyfully, willingly. And Lord, use us for your glory in all that we do. And bless us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. Come on, give a big hallelujah, shout of praise. Woo, isn't he a good God? Nobody's like my Jesus. Slap your neighbor high five and say, I'm a faithful servant. Slap high fives. Come on, tell somebody. I'm a faithful servant. God bless you as you go. You're dismissed. Feel free to get prayer up here or worship with us. Come on and sing it. Here I am. God bless you as you go. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord.
dedicating my life to you. Bless them, Lord. Bless them today, today, oh God, flow through us all.